lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday here on the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin, and you are you, and that's Aaron McIntyre. I didn't forget you. I just wanted to tease you a little bit. I got it. I mean, after you know what you made me watch yesterday, you are on the feces list, brother. <laughs> All right. Uh, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. By the way, did you see somebody sent out a picture of you and I's faces yeah. watching that video in the overtime yesterday? Yeah. And just the look you had on your face of just, you, I mean, with just your mouth agape. Yeah. And I had that Tucker Carlson look on his face when his guests are like just spewing a bunch of psychobabble dribble, right? Dribble, yep. right? Great shot. Uh, you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, where I will lie to you whenever you see hashtag Facebook approved takes. Know that that is a lie. That is regime approved narratives. That's all Facebook wants is those is regime approved narratives. So I give them to you with my own little twist on things uh, at hashtag Facebook approved takes. Or you can find out what I really think uh, on social media by following me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show or go to Steve Dace, MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And then if you're looking for clips of the show that are free of censorship and then censor... Did I say that right? Censorship. There we go. Uh, and also free to watch. Go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Also... Speaking of rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, we have broken out the interview we did with Dr. Ryan Cole yesterday, the Mayo pathologist who is in Idaho and has overseen hundreds of thousands of samples of COVID-19. We have broken that interview out as a singular entity. If you just wanted to watch that by itself and share that with others, I would urge you to do so. Uh, that's available for you right now at rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Also today, of course, it's a Wednesday, so we will play our weekly little game of buy, sell, or hold coming up next hour. We will also be joined at the bottom of the hour by an old friend who now works for Governor Ron DeSantis. He is researcher extraordinaire, data analyst, uh, Kyle Lamb will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. First of all, we're going to find out what has gone on in Florida with COVID and and why is it suddenly not in the news anymore? That's weird, right? I mean, we, we couldn't hear enough about COVID and what was going on in Florida in July and August. And it just seems like in the last week or two, everybody's back to, you know, Florida might as well be called Sweden or Las Vegas shooter. I mean, it's like no one's talking about it again. So we'll get into all of those data points with Kyle Lamb at the bottom of the hour. Of course, today is a very special day. It is officially... The first day of fall. Which means with all the power vested in me by the prime directive of the United Federation of Planets, for the first time, officially in 2021, pumpkin spice all the things. Todd, your thoughts. This is where... I mean, it's endless. You, You have the pumpkin spice holiday... And it goes right into Christmas starting in November 1st. Yes. It's, it's, it's. These are I doc- know there's not enough shame-based motivational tactics. I, I know that there is not enough debasement. I know that I have not, uh, that, that, that it brings too many people joy other than 
how you feel doing shots of vinegar alone in a room by yourself at your house. But this is how the rest of us like to roll, Todd. That's, see, that's the rest of us. Don't you take the rest of us. (laughs) Quick quick game of of buy, sell, or hold here at the top, Steve. Pumpkin spice leftovers. Probably the only chance leftovers have in my my house. Pumpkin spice Ohio State uh, Buckeyes. I mean, at this point, Ohio State owns me, has done uh, acts of unlawful carnal knowledge to me as a Michigan fan, so I might as well get some pumpkin spice out of the deal. Last one, uh, pumpkin spice experimental vaccine. (laughs) I think that probably has the best, that has a better chance of holding up against Delta variant than what we're currently seeing, right? Yeah. So, but those were, those were three good attempts and the middle one actually made me think for a minute. I have to confess. All right. So you, you got me to at least hit pause for a nano second. See, and since you're going to need this more than ever, you don't make me hate fall and Christmas, please. I, you, I'm trying to bring you in. It's okay. <laughs> Commenso festival. Enjoy it. It's all right, Todd. All right. So we're going to do something to open up the show uh, that's a little bit different today. Uh, the three of us watched a video last night that aired on uh, Sky News just two days ago about a documentary now airing on Fox Nation about the true origins of coronavirus. We're going to play, this clip is available for fair use uh, all over social media, but we're going to play and react to it with you in real time here in the opening segment of this program. Are we ready to go? Let's do it. Let us begin. In just a little bit, because my computer, of course, at this very crucial moment, is acting up. <laughs> Are we ready Sarah now? Sarah Markson joining us okay. live after that extraordinary hour of what really happened in Wuhan. She joins us to talk about it and go through the past hour. Firstly, congratulations, mate. A stunning piece of work. The book has even more detail, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Paul. It was a, a team effort. Definitely not just me. Rebecca Latorno, Richard Andrews, Mark Calvert, Paul Whitaker. That's Darren, the name of the documentary. From the what really happened team, in Wuhan. And it is again available right now over at Fox like Nation. Exactly. Who is technically a competitor now, of ours, but this information is very important. Far more important than a business competition. One about everything that's pretty obvious about the lab, the cover-up, and the role of the United States about whether they could have jumped earlier on the intelligence that you were able to show tonight. Got my attention, the framing of this question right away. The role that we played as a country. Could we have stopped this or done more? Batwoman. She was uh, part of an operation way back in 2012 that was studying what was happening with bats and people getting sick with some of the bat droppings that they found in a cave. We'll roll the tape and get get a bit more detail. Watch this. In 2012, Shizang Li hit pay dirt. At a disused mine in southwestern China... Six workers fell ill after clearing away bat manure. Three died from a coronavirus. But Beijing covered it up and told no one. And Sherry, it's almost a little microcosm. So what of this what means would later is potentially to- as 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 long ago as a as almost a decade ago, they had a live in the wild example of mm-hmm. a bat coronavirus leaping to humans. And didn't tell the rest of the world about this. And keep in mind, we're still on the heels of the first SARS 
All right, we're still trying to develop a vaccine at this time in 2012 for the first SARS when this went on. Keep that in mind. 2013, and they went back there so many times collecting hundreds and hundreds of bat samples. And one of those samples we, not, we now know was RATG13, the virus that has a 96.2% sequence identity. It's the closest virus in the world that we know of to SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19. The closest virus in the world was at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And as we heard in that documentary, Nikolai Petrovsky says, well, this raises the question, was there another similar virus that they collected from mm -hmm. the mine that was either SARS-CoV-2 itself or even closer right. to SARS-CoV-2? Which virus jumped from the bats to the humans in that cave? Yes. That they then conducted gain-of-function research on in the lab because that's what they were doing in that lab, uh, and combined it with other viruses in a chimeric virus to create COVID-19. Chimeric means and, a and combination so of things, is what that means. Frankenstein's yeah, monster. that's what it means, an amalgamation. It's just such a crucial piece of evidence that we still don't have. They took it offline on the 12th of September 2019, and when the World Health Organization team went in to investigate with Peter Daszak... So why is that date? Why is that date? Uh, important because that's actually when we began to see as we traced it back real waves of infections of this new virus in china was around that time september of 2019 study an existing virus and cross-pollinate it with others and again uh, expertly explained in the documentary here's the highlight they've been uh, putting uh, these spike proteins from different viruses in their backbones and then studying like how well does that infect human cells just this alone forms a very plausible argument that this is actually the lab that hosts so many different coronaviruses, uh, explains the lab leak the, the best. Let me reiterate, by the way, fascinated. there are more people live in Wuhan, China, where these labs are located. There's three of them. More people live in Wuhan, China, folks, than the entire nation of Israel or Sweden. Keep that in mind. The population of Wuhan, where these things were going on for almost a decade since they took these viruses out of that cave, is in one of the most densely populated regions in the Pacific Rim. Keep that in mind. 100%. This was always, this always should have been the first place that everyone started to look. The virus broke out in Wuhan. The bats were the equivalent of a 20-hour drive away. They were in hibernation at that time of year. You had the world's leading coronavirus reservoir at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They, we knew what they'd been doing because the US had not only been funding the lab, but there had been cables sent back that warned of the safety conditions in that lab and the lack of trained safety technicians. So there were serious concerns about this lab. And you heard in that documentary, the former head of British intelligence, Sir Richard Dearlove, he said that when that lab kicked the French out, he said this was built with so the French. So former head of MI6? Yeah. Is that, does that a, did that a ham and egger? No. This no. documentary features interviews with President Trump, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former DNI John Ratliff, uh, a handful of, of pretty highly respected scientists and virologists from around the world. So it's not just uh, some schmucks from the blaze or Breitbart just yep. pontificating? Yep. No? Okay. Pandemic. And in fact, uh, even an Israeli uh, weapons expert had named it as a biological weapons site of concern in a publicly available document as well. And then again, well, keep in mind, the, the head of the Wuhan lab is the former head of the Chinese bioweapons program. That is a fact.
documentary is about once something started to go wrong, what happened on the ground in Wuhan. Again, the highlight. Yes. On the 12th of September 2019, the virus database at the Wuhan Institute of Virology was taken offline. 22,000 coronavirus samples gone. And a month later, the Institute went into a communications blackout. There was no cell phone or signals activity on the compound for about two weeks. Just enough time How to scrub just your, about everything. Yeah, about everything yeah. that would that would trace back to you. Yes. How significant would that be? Again, it would be another um, circumstance that would be difficult to explain, other than there was a problem that the Chinese Communist Party was aware of and was trying to deal with before. Uh, you know, it became an outbreak that was public, and then ultimately a pandemic that affected every single person on the planet. And then in case there was any doubt, and there is no doubt, the blockbuster into the documentary from Shari. Cybersecurity analysts at Internet 2.0 recovered Chinese government data that had been virtually wiped from the web. It showed there was a buy-up of PCR equipment used to test for coronaviruses hmm. in Wuhan in 2019. The next month, one of those machines went to the Wuhan Institute. This, this is like having receipts for the store that OJ stopped off on the way home. He stopped off to grab a few blades to take to go home and take out his angst on Ronald Goldman and and, and his and his and his wife. And now you've got the receipts that OJ, who claims I didn't murder my wife and, and and her lover, but but here are the receipts though from the from the store I stopped off on in order to buy. I just happened to buy some sharp objects that evening, uh, and here are the receipts for it. That's literally what that is right there. This documentary, having listened to this in the background, getting ready for the show today. It, it leaves absolutely no room for the possibility of a natural jump from nope. bats to humans. It actually leaves the door wide open for a, a weaponry of some sort. It doesn't come to any conclusion there, and it features a lot of cautions, but uh, no room at all. For when we get to the end of it, I'll have something to say about that. On that same day, we, we now know from these tenders uncovered by uh, the cybersecurity firm Internet 2.0, Robert Potter and Dave Robinson, we now know that they were then beefing up their security on that exact same day, uh, putting in a new air Covering ventilation system, a new air medical incinerator, and then the coronavirus testing machine that they purchased, as well as the blackout period and the workers who fell sick. So there's just so much evidence that we've been able to uncover um, over the past few months as part of this investigation that, that really is, you know, beyond doubt that there was an incident. At the we, we have less forensic evidence that Ted Bundy is the worst serial killer, perhaps, in modern American history than what she is presenting here, okay? from near and afar that bloke from mi6 uh, unbelievable where he makes it nice and clear about how ridiculous the report was that of course only spent just a, a very short period of time at the actual lab all of course because one of the worst people to put in that investigation team who of course we'll get to dr fauci and his connections to all of that a little bit later mm. but again he just builds the cat that that who report not worth the paper it was written on roll the tape as to the possibility of COVID-19 coming from a lab, the WHO report found it extremely unlikely.
They spent just three hours at the Institute. And three even Tedros walked away from the findings. That was a complete fiasco, the report. You know, it's 413 pages long, and, and only three pages are devoted to the possibility that we're dealing with a lab uh, escapee. And then the second chunk here of what I want to talk about is, again, the, the, the mass cover-up, the cover-up that happens either because people don't want to displease the Chinese, and that was the WHO, or the people who didn't want to add any sort of credence to what they were hearing out of the United States and principally Donald Trump. Again, look at the resistance. The reports in scientific magazines that they would not run, written by experts saying there's a problem here and it comes from the lab. To begin with, I, I certainly didn't approach the issue with any sort of... Again, this is the former head of MI6 or, or in the UK talking. Their former top spy, okay? However, things began to change as the pandemic evolved. Sir Richard Dearlove also ran into resistance to the lab leak theory. He's the former head of the British spy agency... MI6. Early in the pandemic, two scientists asked for his help in publishing a paper that cast doubt on COVID-19 coming from an infected animal. We approached nature, we approached science, we approached the American Journal wow. of Virology, we approached various publications in the UK. This is the former head of MI6, guys. He goes on in the documentary how he's just basically belittled yes. by people in the in in his own government in the public domain um, for asking these questions. Um, the Chinese narrative. And Sherry, this is the thing. I mean, people like him don't. They're not loose with their words. They're very definite with what they say. They were definite with their actions of trying to take it to scientific publications first rather than other parts of the media. But what does it say to you that the scientific community and the people who uh, would, of course, have a great thirst for anything about uh, COVID-19 rejected it time and time and time again? This is, Paul, one of the most shocking parts of the story, that there was this censorship of science, that credible scientists who are not political in any way, shape or Actually, form, it's the least had their science part blocked of the story, if from being published. And it meant Western that the official narrative of the Chinese Communist Party was the predominant narrative for the entire first year of the pandemic. And what's worse is that the scientists who were shaping that narrative, people like Peter Daggett, Dajic, who secretly authored uh, the Lancet paper that came out in February 2020. I say secretly because we didn't know he'd been behind it and that he'd been working with the Wuhan Institute of Virology until November that same year. He, at the same time, was advising the intelligence community no in conflict the United of States. No conflict of interest so there. you really None. start to see how this was a massive cover-up. He was advising the intelligence agencies. Tell that advising the intelligence agencies, remember in Vanity Fair, that expose mm -hmm. where people were told within the White House, don't, don't ask these questions, you're opening up a can of worms. I wonder where they got that mm -hmm. notion. Scientists had been warning about this for years. It's why the Obama administration banned gain-of-function research back in 2014. So you had Our the scientists who were so conflicted. To this very day, more than anything, tries to choke you out by saying, trust the experts. It 
These are the experts. Media. The experts didn't trust the experts. Yeah, exactly. The former head of MI6, yes. a guy who literally had 66 million UK residents, their lives were in his hands every night, every day he went to, went to work. If he got something wrong, yeah. 66 million lives were imperiled, right? Yeah. And so he was entrusted with that. He brought this to them and they still didn't care. Right. What happens when most of your experts are members of a cult? This, yeah. this is what happens. Yes. Rally around the Maypole. Yes. Well, and this is where no doubt the consequences of this documentary, the book and the reporting is going to be that no doubt there's going to be questions about, well, who decided to flip that rule? Was it uh, freelancing that was happening from Fauci, one of his apparatchiks? Did somebody uh, not Love the use you know, of that go term. through the detail yeah. when something was ticked and flicked somewhere else inside the government? But then we get to this big question too, which is about whether the United States had an opportunity to act on some intelligence. The intelligence that you were able to present, that picture of what was happening in September and and one of the COVID investigators told you this. My shock was that we had actually could have had foreknowledge. We could have known in November of 2019 that there was a disaster occurring inside Wuhan, inside their most important biological facilities, you know, where something absolutely tragic, traumatic, and dramatic was occurring. But there's fake and news and NASCAR garages to, to and Ukrainian yes. calls. Yes. The whole world could have been different. It would have been like stopping 9 11 before it happened. We've got gender reassignments for 11 year olds. We don't have time for this. Yes. Other than Secretary of State. And remember, former boss of the CIA had to say about why this never made it as high as it should have. We collect everything and know nothing in our governments these days. It's the big data problem. We're all drowning in it. We had the means to know something, but we didn't either analyze it or disseminate it. Same thing with 9-11. No, we gave student visas to all of those people after vetting them anyway. Yes. The CAA. I was always worried that we were collecting information, but we weren't able to process it sufficiently timely and get that information to the right places. Is this a pandemic that potentially could have been prevented had the intelligence agencies paid closer attention to the information that was coming in? Uh, I, we'll have to go look back at what was actually in the possession, what, what was the complexity of the information, what was the certainty of that information. That's now, Mike Sarah, Pompeo, former know, uh, CIA director and secretary of state for President Trump. That's who he's just talking China there. To account. We obviously know that the United States can't just reach into places like China, but this is a fundamental question here about it either not making it to the president's desk or it either not this being, woman uh, spoken about has concocted the, the greatest media prank since Orson Welles pulled off War of the Worlds, okay? This Austra this Aussie woman that has that has been that has been guiding us through this. So either she's the new Orson Welles, and this is one of the most elaborate media hoaxes pranks that we've seen in the hundred years since. Or she has shamed the entire media and intelligence community uh, that spent uh, that was spending all of its time about P-tapes when this was going on and fake collusion and fake Ukrainian collusion while instead they've got a literal Frankenstein's monster airborne me movie event happening in one of the most populated cities in our greatest enemy so that can then where we import 400,000 college students alone per year from that country to then invade us with this virus.
But that's okay. We didn't have time because we had to follow up on a P-tape from the Hillary Clinton campaign. So a lot of people had to die. Possession of the US government that same year, late 2019. So we do need to ask the question, and I think Pompeo's right when he said we need to go back and look at how this information was analyzed, how it was how it was processed. This is the third time I've watched this now, and it's still pissing me off. Oh, it should never stop pissing me off. Is this a pandemic that could have had a different outcome if people had paid closer attention? And we know that the technology, the technical capabilities of the intelligence agencies... If Fauci agencies is aware of even half of this, he's a war been, criminal. He should be hung. Is, did they act That's what we did to these people at Nuremberg that, that did these kinds session. of medical acts well, again, in the name of, quote-unquote, science. We hung them all. That's basically it. Here, here's... Let me, let me bring this point home in the time we have remaining. Yesterday, we had an interview with Dr. Ryan Cole, Mayo-trained pathologist. He's on his local board of health there in Idaho, and he has presided over hundreds of thousands of studies of COVID-19 tests and samples since the pandemic began. And we got into a conversation and a discussion about something called a leaky vaccine. Now, it is rare but we have had examples. One of them was called Merrick's disease, where a vaccine is leaky. Either, and usually it's because it's just a bad product. And so what that can do is create worse and worse mutations or what we actually usually call variants of the virus it is attempting to mitigate against. One of the leading theories as to why we might be seeing evidence, and this is sometimes referred to, by the way, of, of, as antibody-dependent uh, enhancement, or ADE. And what this means is, the way do, do Dr. Cole described it yesterday, is that when, when, the, when, the, when the antibodies in your body produced by the vaccine, when they, when they see the virus, they're supposed to act like Pac-Man eating up the munchers, right? And, and, and eradicate them before they damage you. But when you have antibody-dependent enhancement, what happens is they're like, Oh, hey, man, these are my pals. Come on in. And instead of, instead of dis, dis, dispatching the, viru, the virus in your system, they bind it so it gets stronger. And this is why we've seen some evidence of higher viral loads within the vaccinated, including a study from the University of Wisconsin, your alma mater, just last week. Mm-hmm. Which we share. You guys send me a million emails. I get it. I put all this on my social media as much as I can. But if you, you really want to get the unedited stuff, you got to go to MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Because I some things I just can't post on Facebook and Twitter. Okay? I didn't get into this with Dr. Cole because I didn't have time. But here's my hypothesis. I do believe we have a leaky vaccine. And I don't necessarily think it's because we have a bad product. The efficacy numbers were, no, were not what they told us in their time trials. But prior to Delta, the efficacy numbers were still very good. Very good. So I don't believe it's because of a bad product. Nor do I believe it's because one other theory that we have a leaky vaccine because we vaccinated too early within the pandemic. And there's a lot of smart people that think that. I'm going, to, I'm going to posit to you an alternative hypothesis. I believe that we have a leaky vaccine because the virus is the vaccine. 
that they were creating the they were creating these chimeras in the in the in this in this lab in order to come up with preemptive vaccination attempts against the next SARS or MERS. And that the reason why, just as the flu disappeared for the last year in many places, while COVID was raging, because it was the superior strain or what is known as viral interference. The vaccine is the superior strain. And that is why it is mutating harsher. That's why it's getting worse. That's why we have more infections and more deaths virtually everywhere in the world except for a few places than we had a year ago, including most of the highest vaccinated countries in the world also are seeing higher cases. Some of that can be explained by a lack of natural immunity because of the stupid and immoral lockdowns. But even Sweden now, which probably has more natural immunity than any place on on planet Earth, in the first week of September had over 400% higher cases than they had last September when they were fully open. See, I believe you're watching viral interference play itself out with the vaccines. Because the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 is a vaccine in and of itself. And it is, it is, it is practicing the same viral interference against vaccinate, mass vaccination attempts as we saw COVID-19 do against the flu last year. That is my hypothesis. And it's been my hypothesis for a while. And it's especially so after watching all of that. So how much equity do you have in your home? Chances are, if it's a lot, cyber thieves know. Uh, and that's what they're doing right now, uh, is they're trolling online databases where a lot of our home's titles are kept, public databases where they're looking for high equity homes so they can pull your home's online title, forge your signature onto a quick claim deed, making it look like you've sold your home to them so they can then take out loans against your equity, sticking you with the payments. And often you don't even know until those late payment notices begin arriving in the mail. And unfortunately, neither your homeowner's insurance or your mortgage lender can protect you. But this is what Home Title Lock does uh, as they try their best. And on the unlikely event that something still happens while you're using their service, they've still got an extra layer of legal protection for you there as well. And they want to make sure this doesn't happen to you. Uh, it's your most sacred investment, your own home. And right now, that's why they're offering you $100 value for free. It's called a complete title history of your home to make sure your home's title is in the free and clear. No one has attempted to tinker or tamper with it. You can find that out for free right now. Normally, they charge 100 bucks for this free, though, if you register your address today at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, complete title history of your home for free just to make sure it's in the free and clear so you can be in the free and clear when you go to HomeTitleLock.com today. Let's bring in our good friend, Kyle Lamb, researcher, analyst extraordinaire, now working down there uh, in Florida with Governor DeSantis. Good to have you on the show again. Kyle, it's been a while, brother. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, Steve. Um, you got that book front and center, and uh, you know everything you said in there not only was accurate, but it's been kind of prophetic uh, going forward, hasn't it? Unfortunately, that is true. And I don't know what to think, man. Now I know for sure you've gone jet set 
sitting there in a coat and a tie. They've 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 gotten a hold of you down there, haven't they? You've you've been worked over a little bit, Kyle. I can see that. I'm not used to your normal sports broadcast or Ohio State fan motif. There, you look like you're ready to maybe do some day trading. I'm all corporate now. What can I say? I sold out. <laughs> well, at least you admit it. So we respect that. Hate the game, not the player, right? All right. That's right. So for about six weeks, I couldn't go anywhere in my Twitter feed without some uh, awareness of the Sunbelt wave hitting your state's seasonality with COVID. Strangely, though, I haven't seen like anything about what's going on in your state the last few weeks from a lot of media that wanted to make sure everybody in America knew every time someone tested positive or sadly succumbed to COVID-19 in the state of Florida. Uh, I'm, I'm, I see crickets now. Why? It's, it's amazing. They, they are very vocal on the way up and they get very silent on the way down. And I, I think this speaks to something the governor was was saying. It's like, uh, you know, I just saw you know, a, a, a poll the other day, you know, kind of showing like, how, you know, how many deaths uh, Republicans and Democrats think that there have been in the United States. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it shows how poor a job the media has done educating people on what's really happening. And that's or not how to say, good of a job, brother, if you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, that, that could be too. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, it's like, it's, it's not that COVID isn't serious. It is. It's obviously killing a lot of people, but we have to, we have to tell the truth. And I think this is something that uh, the new Surgeon General here in Florida said yesterday in a press conference, he said, we, we have to educate people and be honest with people. We can't we can't do this based on fear. And I, I really think there is, you know, just a really, really bad situation here with how we have, uh, you know, relayed the, the effects of this pandemic on people. And, and they they have a misunderstanding. And, and I think that it's just, uh, you know, this going down, you know, with, with here in Florida, the wave being over and we've had like 28 days now of hospital census decline, it just goes to show you're, you're not hearing it from the media. And I think, um, you know, I think that that's a problem. So you mentioned 28 days of hospital census decline. Can you give us some other data points of that indicates a waning seasonality? And what do we mean by that? Well, the, we, we have long seen um, uh, a tethering of, of surges of COVID to traditional cold and flu seasons in particular regions. And so in the in the northeast where in Midwest where you originally came from and we still live, um, more people are indoors and uh, therefore more susceptible to sickness in the cold time of year. Uh, and so that's when those seasonalities hit. And where you live now, it's the other way around, where more people are going indoors and stuff to escape the extreme heat of the summer, right? Right. Yeah, it, 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 that's actually you know where I used to live and where I live now is actually a great uh, dichotomy there because. Uh, Ohio hospitalizations are up 60% in the last three weeks. Uh, Florida's are down 42%. So, uh, you know, right now here in Florida, we're going one way and Ohio is going the other way. And it's not that Ohio is doing anything wrong. It's not that we uh, suddenly, you know, found a magic secret to get rid of COVID. Although I would argue that uh, certainly some of those hospitalizations have been helped by the monoclonal antibody treatments that we're doing. We, we feel like we are helping people um, and, and I think the hospitalizations are going down in part because of that, but it's not the only reason. It's probably not what caused the initial decline. Uh, but, you know, that, that just goes to, it speaks to seasonality and, and you know, every part of the country gets hit at different times and in different ways. And I think that's what we're trying to express here. It's like there has not been a magic formula for stopping COVID. It, it, 
you know, it's, it's sobering. We wish there would, you know, but there's just no way that we can get rid of the virus. And I think we have to accept that. And the sooner that we accept that, the sooner we can go back to our lives and realize things like monoclonal antibodies are necessary. Treatment is necessary. We can't just rely on the vaccine. I mean, we could sit here and have debates all day as to how effective the vaccines are. You know, I, I think they're pretty effective in preventing serious illness. Some people might disagree with me, but the, I think we all should be able to agree that we can't just rely on vaccines alone. We need treatments. And I think that's why you know what's happening with the federal government and limiting the monoclonal supply to Florida. I won't get too far into that, but I, you know, I think that's a concern. So I know data analysts, and I don't want you to go too far into that because you don't do the policy making down there. Right. And working with the governor's office, I don't want to put you in a position where you're speaking out of school, but you do study data for them and 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 have data analysis and recommendations on that front. What can you tell us about the effectiveness of monoclonal antibodies, or sometimes it's referred to as Regeneron? That's its that's its you know brand name. This for those that don't know. Last October, when President Trump went into the hospital with COVID, this was about a month before this product was actually approved from the market in November. This is what he was treated with. All right. Right. Uh, And this is the second product that CDC, I'm sorry, that FDA approved as an early treatment. The first, remdesivir, the data on that is very bad. We recently had a study at the University of Iowa that showed that it, it, it breaks anywhere from doing nothing to actually extending hospital stays when it is utilized. That's why they don't promote that or talk about that as much. Um, and so the, the data on monoclonal antibodies or Regeneron has actually been very promising from the very beginning. You guys, as far as I know, were the first state to try to make this portable, right? Because typically this requires some form of hospital engagement, if not admission, because it's a series of shots that I believe that you get uh, is one method of, of of delivering this treatment. You guys attempted to make this portable for the first time, so more convenient and available. That created a massive controversy because apparently we don't want to help people or something. But what was the data that you sh- you saw in real time with the effectiveness of this treatment? Yeah, well, let me start off with all the clinical studies. I mean, every single one you go through, and I, I, I kid you not, I, I read through probably, when I knew we were going to do this, I read through probably a dozen different studies. And every single one of them would come back 65% effective against severe illness, 70% effective, 75%, 80%. Uh, some of them are even showing 85% against severe illness. So we're seeing time and time again through clinical studies that these monoclonals uh, are, are definitely having a major impact. And, and one thing that I noticed early on after a couple of weeks that we started monoclonals is the hospital admission curve was going down at a steeper rate than the case curve was. And that was especially true for adults compared to kids. Kids are now going down dramatically as well, but the adults were going sooner and quicker. And, and if you think about it, who were getting who who was getting the monoclonal antibody treatments? It was adults. It was not approved for kids. So it would make sense that the monoclonals were having a, a bigger effect on adults because the, those were the people that they were preventing hospital admissions. So I, I think we're definitely seeing in the data that uh, the monoclonals have made a difference by preventing people from being hospitalized. And as I said before, it doesn't mean that hospitalizations went down because of monoclonals, but they are definitely exacerbating the decline. And I think that's what we're seeing. Last week, your boss, Governor DeSantis, said that about 52% of those who have uh, been in need of the monoclonal antibody treatment were actually fully vaccinated people. And amongst seniors, that ratio was even higher. 
Can you go into any, any further detail on that? I don't have that data. We don't keep it here um, in, in the executive office of the governor. That is something that the, the monoclonal sites that are run by a Department of Health, uh, they have a survey. So it was the Florida Department of Health. Voted. That was Those were their numbers that he was citing. Right. They, they, they do a survey of people coming in and they ask those basic questions. So they're they're running that. But um, uh, but yeah, we, we did get that. I can tell you, like, at, at the time the governor said that, I think it was something like overall, like 40 to 45 percent of all sites. Some sites were seeing up to 52, 55, 60 percent were vaccinated. I think at the time it was in the 40 to 45 range, if I remember right. Uh, so, but it, it underscores your point that monoclonals are not just for the unvaccinated. They're for anybody uh, who are vaccinated. They feel like they've come down with symptomatic illness and they, they want to have an extra layer of protection just to be safe. Um, and, you know, maybe some of those people would not have ended up in the hospital anyway. We don't know what the percentages are, uh, but it's just an extra layer of protection. I think that's, that's the key here. Um, Kyle, just, you know, two buddies here talking. Let's pretend nobody's listening in, okay? What's the benign, innocent reason for why an effective treatment that was given to the President of the United States that was allowed to come to market by the FDA last November, what's the benign, innocent reason for why you guys a few months ago were the first people to actually go full-bore aggressive in marketing this as an early treatment. What's the benign, innocent explanation for that? I mean, the innocent explanation, I'll go with what what the governor has already said. Uh, you know, I think maybe there was a messaging concern that if they start promoting treatment, then it, it looks like they're not promoting the vaccines. And of course, we've already, I know in Florida, we've already been accused of that. So, you know, maybe that there is just, that was the innocent reason right there is that they were af- afraid of pushing this treatment to the point where, uh, people that were unvaccinated would think, well, there's no reason for the vaccine because we have treatment. And and I, I think that's the innocent explanation. Hmm. Real quick, before I let you go, do you have any numbers from your state? Because I would agree with you that they didn't live up to their human trials, but the efficacy numbers for these vaccines was 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 more than satisfactory pre-Delta. But we have, we have definitely seen from August since August, some ominous trend lines, like my home state, former home state of Michigan. They're, they've gone from uh, admitting three fully vaccinated people with COVID uh, into hospitals a day from January through August to now that number's over nine, right? It's like that's, a, that's tripled, okay, with, with the ascendancy of Delta. What can you tell us, to, do you, what do you guys see from the Florida Department of Health and what's going on there now on the tail end of your sunbelt wave, vaccinated to unvaccinated? Yeah, I'm still probably a few weeks behind from having a really good answer on this question. But I, I mean, I can tell you that the vaccinated cases and hospitalizations and deaths still make up a, a small uh, a small minority of, of the total, uh, but they definitely have gone up. I mean, I can tell you from, from what they were at the end of July compared to what they were a few weeks ago, um, we've definitely seen a, a substantial increase. But, um, you know, I think, um, you know, last I, I saw the, the total number of deaths uh, for vaccinated were, you know, I think less than 20% of all deaths. Uh, so they, they still make up a small percentage. And, and Steve, you know, I think you and I have had this, this discussion before. I think also people have got to remember that when you look at vaccine efficacy, hey, look, until we figure out the uh, with from definition, until we get that squared mm-hmm. away, mm-hmm. this is going to apply to vaccines as well. Because mm-hmm. if you test positive and if you, you count as a COVID death without a vaccine, it's going to apply to being vaccinated as well. So you're going to see some level of vaccinated hospitalizations and vaccinated uh, deaths 
that may or may not have been from COVID. And until we get all that squared away, it's going to be an ongoing issue. Kyle, good stuff, man. Always appreciate your perspective and the work you do. You're a great follow for our audience on Twitter. Uh, look him up, uh, Kyle Lamb. Great stuff, brother. Take care, all right? Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. You bet. Hey, you know, you got a million reasons to be stressed out these days, but stressing about your male pattern baldness or receding hairline does not have to be one of them. And that's the good news that key, that Keeps can help you with that uh, because they offer the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but they offer you the generic version, so you only pay about half of the cost. And then it's convenient. You do everything online. Uh, you just uh, talk to a, a licensed physician, snap a few pics of your hair, uh, and then once the physician gets a chance to oversee your information and situation, uh, they'll recommend an FDA-approved hair loss treatment for you, all done right there online. So you save big money with the generics, and then you save time with the convenience. How about saving even more money, though, to get you started? Half off your first order when you go to keeps, K-E-E-P-S, keeps.com slash grow. Again, that's keeps.com slash grow. Half off your first order today at keeps.com slash grow. Um, in the overtime today, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do the same thing with the first with the recent video with a COVID whistleblower put out by Project Veritas. We're gonna do the same thing with that video that we did with the Fox Nation video here at the top of the program. So if you want to watch that today, we will record it for you right after today's program. Uh, and you'll be able to watch it if you're a subscriber when you get where you go to when you go to blazetv.com slash dace d-e-a-c-e for blazetv.com slash dace. If you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and would like to become one, that is also where you can go to get a discounted subscription today. Blazetv.com slash dace D-E-A-C-E. Next hour, we will begin with our favorite game, our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. However, I've decided we're only going to do it for the first segment next hour because I think there's a lot of, you know, we've just been sitting here even talking amongst ourselves during the last break. There, there's, there's, some, there's some loops that need closed, some uh, dangling participles and hanging chads that need to be addressed after the video we just watched and uh, went through together, both us as a group and then you guys uh, a part of that group as well. And and I want to further also have some time to provide some more context into my own hypothesis. But I, I just think there's too many things, guys, that 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 angles to this that need to be explored. And, and we should do it while it's still fresh in our memory banks. So we're going to do that in the final segment of today's show. Any quick thoughts here before we get out of here with hour one? Uh, yeah, well, regarding the fear and learning to live with it and tying that into what, how he, uh, closed there on vaccines and Delta, Delta, remember where we first found out about Delta? It's in India and India is one of the lowest vaccinated, uh, countries in the land. Delta is not doing there what it's in doing in other places, which takes us right back to what we need to talk about later on the show and what we started on the show today. You need to go down all the darkest places with this on what this vaccine and what it's doing because Delta isn't just suddenly boo all by itself. Hmm. We'll come back. Hour two is next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can email the show to do that, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. 
Like us on Facebook, where you can find out what I don't think when I lie to you via the hashtag Facebook Approved Takes. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show and then get uh, my real social media perspectives and opinions by looking me up on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. That's also where I post pretty much everything I can think of on COVID. I still try to get as much of it on Twitter as I can. Uh, I actually use hashtag Facebook approved takes to do that too by just posting the links, but just with Facebook's approved take on it. But if you, there's some things I just know I cannot post there. So uh, I post everything though on MeWe, Parler, Gab, and Getter. That's where you know you can get all of the stuff that we dig up on what's going on with COVID, the vaccines, at all. Also, you know you can get all that stuff uh, by getting free clips of the show that are also free of censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And finally, if you are a podcast listener, thank you for playing a huge role in the continued growth of the program. Please do this, though, for us if you haven't yet already. Leave us a five-star review or hit the subscribe slash follow button on whichever podcast platform that you prefer. And thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. Coming up here in just a moment, we will get to our favorite topic, buy, sell, or hold. But first, what if the day comes that they said could never happen, right? We all would have laughed and joked about, hey, we're never going to run out of toilet paper here in the United States. We did. What if the next time that it couldn't happen here happens, it's food? That's why I want to talk to our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Because if you act now, you can save $50 on a four-week emergency food supply for each person in your family with My Patriot Supply, a handy kit that gives you breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, even snacks for a total of 2,000 plus calories per day so that when it can't happen here, happens again, and this time maybe it's food, you won't go hungry. That's for sure. Again, uh, My Patriot Supply can hook you up, and they'll deliver discreetly to your door. They won't send the Doom Prepper van and the fluorescent pink. But you should also know, though, this food stays good for up to 25 years with proper storage. So check them out right now. Get $50 off right now, a four-week emergency food supply for each person in your family. When you go to preparewithdace.com, that's D-E-A-C-E for preparewithdace.com. All right, let's get to it. It's our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. And Aaron, with help from you and the audience usually, will present to you and I, Todd, uh, questions, predictions, prophecies. No topic is off limits. You and I will decide, are we going to buy that? Are we selling that? Maybe we might even have a good reason or seven why we think that. Um, and if we hold, though, for any reason other than, wow, I cannot believe Aaron even had the gall to bring that to this program, you, too, will have to sample some bat feces in that uh, Shycom cave. Ready? Yeah, like I've been sampling that for the last year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I just set him up and he knocks him down, folks. That's how it works around here. He's yes. here all week. I'm tired. He's here all week. Try the bat stew. <laughs> That's also well played. Nice. All right. We will start with horse-paced pony soldier who says the nice. looming economic crash will make 2008 seem like a nice day at the beach. Nice, happy, fun one to start out with. Um, I will sell. And the reason why I will sell is because much, many of the things that would occur, or I shouldn't say many, 
several of the things that would be the result of such a crash are happening now. And um, our never-ending thirst and desire to just print more and more and more and more fiat currency, um, to just hand ourselves, grow more arms and hand ourselves more shovels to dig the hole faster. Uh, just, I, I don't see that being quenched in any way. And you guys know what my theory on this is, that we can sustain this until somebody decides they want to use a military to call in the note. And I don't see that on the horizon anytime soon, at least not on a, on a meta scale, so I will sell. If it happened, I would agree that it would be worse. But that's also why I think it won't happen is because the bread and circuses are required to continue on this level of usurpation on every level. They, you you gotta the the movie, the Matrix. The the whole everything was too perfect. Isn't they remember the mm-hmm. explanation? Yes. The original inside the it was too perfect. So that's why inside the simulation there had to be some level of discomfort some suffering yeah yes other um because and that's what if we people too many people will wake up too rapidly if if we don't have our netflix and our football games to go back to and all of those things it's it's a tricky balance but that's i mean this is the great warning of bread and circuses and we are as pliable as spoiled, lazy Western Americans as any generation before in the history of mankind on that front. So they're going to use all the blessings of liberty, uh, the usurpers, to their advantage against us. Up next, this is Unmasked in Florida. Three things are true in the Steve Dace nexus. Love that photo, by the way. Yes. Uh, Michigan football wins every game. It smells like pumpkin spice. And three, there are no wasps. Uh, uh, that's a that's a buy. I believe that is from Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, the generations, right? Yes. When uh, the the villain's name, who I can't remember his name, played by Malcolm McDowell, right. is awaiting the arrival of the Nexus, right? Yes. So uh, that's a great shot. I love the use of the Star Trek imagery in there as well. Um, and you're three for three, man. I'm you're in. Yeah. That's a. I'm, I, I, if anybody's qualified to buy this, it would seem to be me. Yes, it's so your world. I'm it, just it, living it, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a definite buy. You bet. Next up, we'll go to Dueling Politics. Peyton and Eli and their format will eventually replace the main telecast of Monday Night Football. Sell. Have you watched any of this? I've, a little bit, but I've also seen a lot of the commentary about how much people love it. They'll sell. I mean, because they can do both. You just put a standard professional level um you know pot broadcast on you sell the ads into that and then you just put this on you know for people that just want to you know mystery science theater the the nfl viewing experience and you sell that i mean it's not going to replace anything it's going to be an addition to uh, so they're going to make all even more money by just doing them both mm, i will uh sell as well i'll also add that i don't i think the format could stay i don't know how long Peyton and Eli 
We'll do it. I think this might rotate, and you might have other Brady and Belichick. Uh, yeah, things in a few years. you know, something like that. The one thing I did, I watched it during the Packer Lions game, and I, I loved it. It's fantastic. But they do need some tweaking. Uh, they had uh, Farvon, and I as a guest, I just caught the tail end of that. And then they had Patrick Willis, a former linebacker, and they obviously they need to do a better job. I mean, every new voice you add in. While you're trying to react live, it gets a little clumsy. But just when the two Eli, the Manning brothers are talking, it's just it's fun. It's fantastic. It's also like it, it's very knowledgeable, but it's less serious, which is what so much of modern sports. I mean, modern sports they're also serious. They know nothing about <laughs> yeah. almost anything, including sports. They're just bad at it, but they're they're serious. So this was better. This was fun. Next up, Infrared 41 fan of chimps says Mount Rushmore of NFL throwback uniforms, Bucks, Creamsicles, Chargers, oh, uh, uh, Powder those Blues. Are, those, are, those are a beautiful disaster, those Bucks uniforms. I'm yep. so in. Yes. Uh, Dolphins 70s and yes. the Redskins 70th anniversary. Um, I, I'm okay with, I, I probably would have not picked the Redskins because I kind of liked the ones they actually wore most of my lifetime growing up better. But you guys know what I think. And the Chargers have actually gone back to these uniforms. Those are the absolute prettiest uniforms in the history of American sports. I mean, you could wear those things to a wedding. I mean, they are just flat out. That's formal wear to me, Is that is the, are those powder blue Charger unis. Just beautiful. Uh, you know, I'll buy, but it's, you know, throwback uniforms in the NFL aren't like a— deep conversation baseball is where that conversation is agreed really at. agreed because first of all baseball is older yeah but i i tend to agree um i would also put you know like um i liked the the old denver bronco uniforms are definitely superior to the ones they wear now those those should the orange crush john elway era uh those those are better and i would say you know the jets have done two uniform updates in the last uh, 25 years, and they were both to return to previous uniforms. So when Bill Parcells came in, they went back to the the um, um, Joe Namath era, green and whites, and now they have, last year they went back to their Wesley Walker, Richard Todd, Freeman McNeil, uh, Mark Gastineau. Wow, I cannot believe how many early 80s That's a great. New York Jets I still names, I still remember. Uh, but they went back to those uniforms. So I thought that's Joe fascinating. Klecko. Joe Klecko was on those teams too. Yeah, good poll. I like that. Yeah, good stuff. So, uh, there's one I guess I'd put the uh, the Rams helmets when they're white instead of yeah, those are sweet. Yeah, I hate I hate what the Rams have done with their uniforms. They should have just gone back to the Eric Dickerson, Vince Ferragamo uniforms. Instead, they've, they've kind of incorporated them with some like futuristic look, and I, I just think they're hideous. But the Chargers have returned – uh, to the promised land. They 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 now wear the absolute purtiest uniforms in all of American sports history. Close though, those burgundy and powder blue Philly, Mike Schmidt, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan era Philly uniforms that they were wearing the other night. Oh, wow, are those pretty to look at. Those are pretty to look at. But I love all, I mean, I love the old Padres Browns from the 70s. Because they're just so uniquely hideous. They stand out. The the old green and gold of the A's, they wear those now sometimes mm-hmm. too. Your team should wear nothing but the uniforms they wore in the 80s. They should be wearing those constantly. Okay, preach. 
Next up, we'll go to Mini Bomber. The forced vaccination movement is looking a lot like the eugenics movement in the early 20th century. I'm, I'm going to sell. Oh, you said forced vaccination movement. Mm-hmm. Well, then I would buy. Okay. Uh, in fact, you have kind of spoiled the, uh, the, the leading premise of Fauci and Booster when it comes out here in, in a few days or a week or so, which is our updated chapter for Fauci and Bargain looking at how to push back on vaccine mandates, that is the exact parallel that is drawn in that chapter or um, uh, thereabouts. Yeah. So I will buy. I'm an anti-vaxxer, so yes. Next up, Jim Stocker says Justice Breyer will retire before the 2024 presidential election. I, I, I just kind of think we're just at this point better off Assuming the worst case scenario of every outcome, you know, so buy. Uh, I'm selling and I believe it was just last week when I said I actually when he's he's getting some pressure from the left not to go Ruth Bader Ginsburg because he's not a legend and a woman and all that stuff when he believes the same nonsense that uh, she does. But he, he he can't die there. They need to replace him. And he's kind of rolled his eyes and joked about it. Plus, I also think he knows it, that uh, either Alito or uh, Clarence Thomas will go before him. I, I think if Trump had won re-election, I have no inside word on this. If, if Trump had won, uh, let me rephrase that. If uh, if Trump were still in office, let's go with that. Fair? Yeah. If Trump were still in office, I think it is highly possible both Alito and Thomas would have retired by now or would retire by the end of his term. Wow. Up next, Overton Window Sticker Shock says it's a complete and amazing coincidence that the surname Fauci derives from the Sicilian word for sickle. I did a cursory uh, look at this, and and that is it is true. It is true. Fauci. I I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like Fauci. That is again, like that. man. Like our first openly bisexual senator's name is Sin, Emma. Right. Our first openly yeah. gay presidential candidate's name is But Ajij. I mean, these are the Bart Simpson, IP Freely, Buster Hyman jokes we pulled in junior high when they took the roll call and then snickered for the next seven weeks about, right? Our first yeah. transgender okay. senator is named Lindsey Graham. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's well done right there. That's. Um, do you know that I called him that? Yeah, years ago. And Dana Bash on yeah. CNN asked him about this on the air. He, she didn't mention my name. She was there's a talk show host around here that's referring to you as the first transgendered senator. All right, that was about me. You guys remember that? Yeah. That's her. I wonder if that clip. Yeah, that's kind of what he said. I wonder if that clip is still out there somewhere. By the way, I should search for that. All right, but that was very well played, Aaron. Very well played. Next up, Jonathan Ford says the COVID stats around the world have more to do with the metabolic health of the population than who is vaccinated or not. Um, sell. Because I, I, I do think what you're suggesting is a factor for sure. But the number one driver of COVID in the world is seasonality. It is the number one driver. Number one, the number one driver of COVID in the world is vitamin D deficiency. That's what we mean by seasonality. So in the Northeast and the Midwest, when it's cold and we all go indoors, 
what are we lacking? Nearly, we don't have as much exposure to vitamin D. Now, also, the sun's not out as much or as warm that time of year too, right? Mm -hmm. In the South, though, when they have their seasonality and the sun is out constantly, right? And yet, that's when they have their peaks or the so-called sunbelt wave. Why? Because people are more vitamin D deficient. They are more... um, they're 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 more disabused from sunlight to escape the heat. They're more t- there's more times indoors. That's what we mean by seasonality. That is the number one driver. Period. Now the number one comorbidity is obesity. That is true. But one of the reasons that is true is because it's like the number one comorbidity to virtually like everything. Right. Other than other than like I'm 97 years old. Okay. Other than age, the number one comorbidity to absolutely everything is obesity. Okay. So that's not unique. But the number one from a macro statistic, and I take this from a guy that has studied my fair share of macro uh, statistics and data models from COVID-19 for the last 17 months. Fair. Mm-hmm. The number one population health driver with COVID is seasonality and a lack of vitamin D. That is number one. Now, on an individual pathology basis, I would agree with you that the number one comorbidity is obesity. I would agree with that. But it's also like the number one comorbidity for like everything. All right? And and except for the stuff that smoking is like the number one comorbidity for. <laughs> okay? Or cocaine use. Um, but the number one, from an epidemiological population health perspective, the number one driver of COVID is seasonality. And a lack of vitamin D, number one. That's why you should all be talking to your doctor. One of the few times Fauci agreed, has, has talked about this. What do you say? He took like 8,000 IUs mm-hmm. a day. I take eight or 9,000 uh, IUs per day. Absolutely, you should be talking and doing your own research. What's the, what's the maximum you can take? Because the way your body absorbs vitamin D is a little different than other kinds of vitamins. So what's the maximum amount that you can take? Uh, of vitamin D, given your health profile, you should find that out and you should be taking that year round every day. Because you are so right about vitamins and seasonality, you are also wrong about what number one is. It's clearly lying and fear. Because <laughs> well said. Because yeah. any yeah. any pandemic that is seasonal like this and can be uh, defeated by a a steady, honest regime of things like vitamin D. To turn us into what we've been turned into for a year and a half, you need a lot of lying and fear. That's the greatest comorbidity of all, and it's not even close. That'll preach right there. Well said. Next up, we'll go to Eddie. The Durham probe will actually take someone of substance down. Is that still going on? I I guess they are going. I was told that an indictment was coming of someone I've never heard of, but that was like a week and a half ago. Okay. Someone of substance, like can we, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Since you didn't define it, I would define that as like Andrew McCabe, Christopher Ray. Um, who's the other no self awareness dude that like posted like deep thoughts by Jack Handy? Oh, Jim uh, Comey, Comey, James Comey. Somebody yeah. that to me is somebody of substance, and the answer is clearly no. So, so. Next is Forrest. When Republicans take Congress back in the next election cycle, they will impeach Biden. In the House? Um, I think that's highly possible. I think that's highly possible. Um, so I will buy. Oh, I'll sell. 
Anarcho Motorist says Gretchen Whitmer will be reelected by a slim margin after three days of counting mail in ballots. <laughs> Bye. She is, she's, she's, she is dangerously approaching what I call the margin of cheating, where she's, she's dangerously approaching the outside of that. Now, now I believe there's approximately 28 Republican candidates last I checked, or is it 29? Okay. Um, Since that's more likely than not, I will I will buy. I, I would I would like you to ask me this question again after the upcoming seasonality in the Northeast and the Midwest. Ask me this question again like in April or May. I'd like to because I, I I she has clearly made modifications to her COVID policy in the last few months. Cause she's also looking at her numbers too. You know what I'm saying? So let but I want to see how does she navigate the upcoming the seasonality in her neck of the woods. And I think I might have a better answer to that question then. Next up, Seth says the Super Bowl will feature two quarterbacks that have never been to or won a Super Bowl. Well, I have to sell because my prediction is the Chiefs and the Packers. So obviously those are two guys that have both won and been to Super Bowls and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. So since that's my pick, dude code calls for me to sell. Through two games, the Chiefs have the worst rushing defense since 1999 Mm. in the NFL. Mm. I think they'll fix that, but it's not good right now. I'll sell. You've, there's just, all you need is one quarterback to make it there to break this up. And I can think of. Yeah, so is he thinking of in the AFC, thinking of the Bills, right? With Josh Allen, who's never been to a Super Bowl. Um, he's thinking of the Ravens with the yeah. um, Lamar, Jackson. Lamar Jackson, who's never been to a Super Bowl. Uh, you're thinking of uh, the Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater, who's never been to a Super Bowl. Um, in the, am I forgetting somebody? You're thinking of the Titans and uh, yeah, but I'll, Ryan Tannehill has never been to a Super Bowl. Who in the NFC are you thinking of? Well, I'll I'll take I'll take Rodgers, uh, Mahomes, Tom Brady. Against all I need is one of them to make one of those it, three? not two. Yeah. So, so, and, so in the NFC, he would be thinking of, I don't know, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. I don't think they're they're good enough. Uh, he would be thinking of, uh, um, no, they were just the Super, 49ers were just in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, actually, with this exact same quarterback. But they don't, don't is Trey Lance playing for them? Or he is, is but he's, it's like a situational oh, okay. thing. Okay. He's not the starter, at least not yet. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Yeah. Next up, we go to Louis Costa something. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce your last name. I'm just aborting on that. Only those of us who stayed up until 2 a.m. Eastern Time, 12 Mountain Standard Time, in order to ensure the purchase of cookie dough built bars when they became available are truly worthy to consume them. While I appreciate your effort, Louis, I have to sell because built bars are for are for everybody. All right? Particularly... The chocolate chip cookie dough. You deserve a helmet sticker for making sure, though, that your shipment of mana will arrive. That that you weren't left manaless. Okay, but uh, you know, these are for absolutely everybody, and this is actually a great time to mention right now. They're still for sale right now. The chocolate chip cookie dough built bars. Get them while they last. 
the absolute greatest flavor of the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. Use my last name, Dace, as your promo code at D-E-A-C-E. When you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T, for built.com and use the promo code DACE, get 15% off to get the greatest protein bar and the greatest flavor of the greatest protein bar, and for my money anyway, of all time. Uh, and that is the yeah. chocolate chip cookie dough. It is out there right now while supplies last. Built.com, promo code DACE for 15% off. Did you see this new study from The Lancet? Uh, it shows that. Built bars actually taste 50% better when you use the promo code DACE. Oh, nice. Moving on, we'll yes. go to Dustin, who I mean, says... We trust everything in the Lancet, we've learned. Exactly. Yes. Dustin yes. says, the chaos in Melbourne, Australia, will happen in America before the end of the year. Bye. I, on some level, unless something changes. Bye. I, I'm going to sell. Here's why. There, there's, a, there's a stress point of leverage on both sides of the equation here. One is, this, there's a stress point that works for us. We own guns, and a lot of them. Then there's a stress point, though, that works against us. It's what you said earlier. We're far more open than they are. We have our bread and circus. Mm-hmm. We're even getting to go to games. It's amazing that 106,000 adults can go, uh, to, to, can, can go see Michigan play Rutgers at the big house. But in a, a lot of schools in Michigan, 15, 20, 35 kids have to wear masks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, are, we have far more access to our, our accoutrements of convenience and mm-hmm. uh, of, of our bread and circus, as Todd likes to say, than they have over there. And so we have less impetus to push them on that level. And then we own a crap ton of guns. And so they have a little less impetus to step to us on that level mm-hmm. too, right? So that's why with both of those impulses and working against each side's um, zeitgeist, I will sell. Yeah, and and Steve's right, which is why it's it's not going to be wholesale, but you, you are going to have pockets. Uh, perhaps it's going to be reflective of what happens in the uh, school board elections, which are let's the most national school board set of elections we probably ever had in the history of this country. Next up, Sean Griffith says, with wins over Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State, BYU should be considered Pac-12 South (laughs) champs after they beat USC later this year. Now, frankly, maybe they should be already. They should be in the top 10. I don't don't know why they're not rated higher than Cincinnati, frankly. I don't don't know why. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, It just goes by because of what your preseason rating bias was. So, but... An insane start for BYU. Uh, I think they lost more production than any major or a successful FBS program from a year ago, including the number two pick in the NFL draft. Just an insane, an insanely impressive start for them. And great timing, cosmic timing, and the Big 12 deserves it to have Cincinnati yeah. and BYU yep. doing yeah. so well right yep. now. Yeah. Moving on, uh, going to Curious George. Next moves in uh, college football realignment. Uh, Big Ten poaches six Pac-12 teams. Nope, we're moving on. And that's it for uh, buy sell. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't good. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, let me uh, let, let me let me do this. We did this a few times last year. Okay. Quick power rating on the NFL. Are you buying, selling, or holding these two and O teams? The okay. Panthers. Buy. I like Sam Darnold with actual weapons around him. Yeah. So. 
uh, Cardinals. So, I'm going to sell just because of the tough. because of the division is too hard. Yeah, Broncos. So. Buy because the uh, because of their defense, and I think, and they have a quarterback that knows how to not yeah. lose football games. Yeah. Uh, Raiders, buy. This was my original favorite team. I'd love a form to be back. It just it seems kind of gimmicky to me, so I'm gonna sell. Buccaneers. I mean, they've got the goat, so buy. Yeah, buy. Rams. I mean, I'll buy. Yeah, I'll buy. I'll buy. I mean, they 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 won last week against Indianapolis. I just trust me as an Alliance fan. Uh, that's the game I've watched Matt Stafford lose his entire career. Yeah, has he ever okay? been two and zero? Okay, it's just the team around him now. He wasn't actually that good this last Sunday, but the team around him was just too good. Forty ers buy that it could top to bottom be the most talented roster in the NFL. That's it. All right, all right. We'll come back and we have some finishing thoughts on the video that we played at the top of the show about the origin, the true origin of COVID-19. And we would be remiss if we did not discuss uh, some of those dangling participles. So we will do that when we come back. That nagging stiffness that pesky achiness, particularly in places like your back, your knees, neck, shoulders, chances are, unless you've got a recent untreated injury, chances are that is long-term inflammation that is built up causing that chronic pain. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by 35 years of clinical research and backed by me, who can personally attest to its effectiveness. You're looking for a product like Omega XL. Again, if you've got an injury, it needs treated. But if you've got long-suffering inflammation, chances are that is chronic pain, and that is what Omega XL helps you to push back upon before it causes more serious problems with your body. And right now, if you want to try it, you can. Buy one bottle, get the second one for free. So a little BOGO action from our friends at Omega XL when you visit their website, omegaxl.com slash Steve. Again, omegaxl.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right, I want to close this out here today, guys. Let's go back to the top of the show. We watched the video in real time. This was a summary report that aired on Sky News a couple nights ago out in the U.K., uh, and uh, and they were covering this new documentary. That's also a book that just came out, by the way. But it's a documentary anchored by an Australian reporter, uh, and that uh, she dug into the true origins of coronavirus and what was really going on in that Wuhan lab. And this documentary is available on Fox Nation. They're they are technically a competitor to us, but we don't care about that stuff around here. We're we're, we're interested in uh, the truth, no matter uh, who. Whether we can profit off of giving it to you or not, the, the truth is its own reward. Amen? Amen? So I plan on watching that documentary here. Would urge everybody else, uh, if you've got access to Fox Nation, to check that documentary out for yourselves, too. But even in that 18-minute summary uh, report from, from Sky News in the UK, I mean, I was just loaded with information and stuff for us to discuss. We didn't have a ton of time to do it. Uh, an hour ago. So I wanted to make sure we didn't leave here without each of us having a chance to truly give 
uh, our thoughts uh, as in-depth as we as we can on what we witnessed. So who wants to go first? Well, I'm just struck, you know, and then there's a really good movie a while ago. I know you liked it too, Steve. Uh, it uh, had uh, Amy... Adams and the alien movie where they oh the arrival I actually just watched that over the weekend with my son he loved it too yeah it's a fantastic movie it is a great movie yeah but or or in just Independence Day with the crisis that brings the world together and they start putting down uh, their weaponry and their their hatred for one another and they start sharing information well it this thing called COVID comes along and we, we were beaten over the head right from the beginning we're all in this together. But as you've seen, we haven't, not only have we not been in this together from the very beginning, but all of our worst tendencies just got doubled down on in the media, in science, in government. It all went from already bad to Oz goes up to 11. And so if you apply Occam's razor... There should be no benefit the doubt to anybody anymore. Occam's razor says you need to go down all of the darkest holes. Start there. And then if you're lucky, you eliminate some of them. And also if you start there, maybe we get someplace a lot faster than we are now. We're giving people way too much benefit of the doubt thinking they can't possibly, would have never... All of the just good intentions they're trying. All even, even the the journalist there, who did amazing journalism. Steve, you pointed out the flaw in her saying, you know, the, 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 these are scientists. You mm-hmm. know, the work they do. Uh, no reason to be political. I mean, that's not. It hasn't been true for a very long time. No, it hasn't. Right now, people, all of these school districts here in the central Des Moines area who are racing to put masks on their kids again, all of them, you watch them, well, the American Academy of Pediatrics says, the American Academy of of Pediatrics, here within the very same time, it's telling everybody has to mask no matter what, all the time, no matter what. They've also said they don't know the difference between a boy or a girl in the name of science. Exactly. So, So stop. This is a religion. We're, yes. not, we're not pursuing any science here. We're pursuing a religion. And again, COVID didn't create any of this. It's just, it, it's, the, it's the harvest of this. Uh, what we used to call science has been so politicized um, uh, and, and prepped and conditioned for this particular moment to then reap that harvest of rancid sulfur. So this this didn't break anything. COVID did not break anything. These systems and everything were already in place, ready to be willfully manifested for such a time as this. Yeah, and so the question about whether this was an accident that was uh, weaponized, I'm stealing from uh, Aaron there, or this was intentional. Listen, as you know, before COVID came along, I kept telling you, once you believed in the whole transgender nonsense, you would believe in anything. And that's why I'm prone to believing this was intentional, because uh, the great Illuminati out there were looking at, oh, we can get away with this now. No problem. Yeah, after 
after listening to this, and I, I just think it's the best piece of journalism, specifically like actual journalism, not journalism, uh, the, the best piece of actual journalism as it pertains to the origins of this virus to this date um, so, so far. And it kind of synthesizes and puts together everything that has been talked about on programs like this and elsewhere uh, for the better part of the last uh, 12 months or so. Uh, especially this year, as it's become a little bit more in vogue. And I think one thing is uh, abundantly clear after listening to this documentary is that whether or not it was an accident, I, I, I tend to believe it was an accident because, guys, the communists are still, they, they are murderous. They are evil. They're still not really good at, at, at stuff. <laughs> They're still just not that great. Um, so, yeah, I could believe that incompetence um, led to this. But I, I think either way, as Todd just mentioned, um, I kind of termed the phrase, it was a weaponized accident. Because what did you, there's a little nugget that we heard in there. Wuhan Institute of Virology, as far back as it was at uh, September, late fall, they requisitioned a new air conditioning system. And some sort of new incinerator for their Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, why would they? Why would they think, "Hey, uh, we had an accident here. Let's replace the air conditioning," unless they knew that it was already new, that it was airborne? They didn't tell the world. They didn't acknowledge to the world about a new coronavirus until December thirty-first. Yet they knew they had an airborne virus on their hands for at least three, maybe even longer. Three months, maybe even longer. And I, I hear a common refrain. Well, what does it matter where it came from or how it got here? Because the same freaking people who are trying to cover this up are trying to hawk these solutions that they've been hawking at you for the last year and a half, going on almost two years now. Whether it's social distancing that Scott Gottlieb, the big pharma whore, said this week was completely made up. Whether it was the masks that don't work. Whether, the, whether it's the vaccines that may or may not be how we got in this mess in the first place. But are definitely um, losing efficaciousness now. The same people covering this up are the same people with the solutions. This is the playbook. Not only not only of communism, not only of big government, not only, not only of uh, just any run-of-the-mill government run amok, gotten too big and too bloated. This is this playbook of the spirit of the age. This playbook is demonic. The same people who created this problem now want to sell you the solution. You should be very dubious of that. That's why it matters. That's why it matters, because at the end of the day... This entire fight has been about justice. Are we doing, you want to talk about real justice here, are we doing justice to people by telling them, no, we're not going to give you an ivermectin cocktail, but hey, you're pregnant and we're going to, inject, uh, and we're, um, going to try to give you 
uh, uh, what's the thing? The, the big pharma. The monoclonal the, antibodies? Not the monoclonal. We're not going to give those oh, to you, but we're going to give you remdesivir yeah. instead. Uh, those types of stories rolling in all of the time. That's that's not just. What's not just is the fact that Fauci, Dashik et al., even Francis Collins to some varying degree, are not sitting beside, behind a jail cell right now and may not be ever. Because at the end of the day, you want to, the word justice has been bastardized. Really, this entire thing has been about justice. And there has been very little. Instead, the greatest injustice of all keeps rolling through. And that is death. I could keep going on. But again, this this documentary synthesizes in, in terms of the origin of this virus everything that we've been trying to get a handle on for the better part of the last 12 to 18 months. I'll follow up here with what you guys said in just a second. First, though, let me tell you about real estate agents I trust. If you are looking to beat the clock and get whatever you needed to get done in the real estate market, whether that is selling your home to cash in on its exploding value and all that equity you're sitting on, or it's a relocation you want to move to get either away from or uh, to get to a, a place that is that is uh, escape from COVID stan. Uh, but you're, you're up against the clock here, knowing that we could be up against a 2008 sort of economic incident. If that's you, make sure you go into the real estate market during these unprecedented times Bing. with a real estate agent you can trust, and the name kind of says it all on where you would find such a person. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, realestateagentsitrust.com, just about anywhere in the country. We can find you an agent with a proven track record of success who can be relied upon to come in, Take charge of your situation, but remember that you're ultimately the one in charge here as well. Uh, you're going to find that agent that you're looking for at realestateagentsitrust.com. The origin of the virus is a paramount need to know because it would unlock virtually every other unanswered question or dilemma we're currently wrestling with things such as what caused Anthony Fauci's massive about face on March 11th. Why that day when he went to Congress, was he singing a dramatically different tune to the country as he had been for the weeks and months prior when COVID-19 was being discussed? Why did we attempt to do all of these non-pharmaceutical interventions Social distancing, masks against an airborne contagion, masks. It was dumb when they said it would stop the spread of droplets. It, it became insulting propaganda when they acknowledged it was actually airborne. Why, why did we do this? Why, why did we spend a year wasting time? And I had a reporter. Pardon me. I had a hack at the Huffington Post tweet me the other day when the U.S. officially crossed as many deaths with COVID as we acknowledge happened with Spanish flu, although a lot of people believe that Wilson dramatically underestimated the amount of deaths of Spanish flu. And her response to me uh, congratulating the employees of a, of a massive defense contractor for successfully pushing back against a vaccine mandate was to tweet out that stat. I tweeted back to her, and some of you noted, 
we also have like, you know, 300% more people than we had in 1918, right? I, but I, I tweeted back to her, all you're doing is making my point. So we did all the flat earth, flat earth voodoo people like you wanted us to. We did it all. We did the social distancing, the mask, mask the kids. We even had vaccines. They didn't have those for Spanish flu. We did them all. And we ended up with the exact same data, the exact same numbers. We did them all. That's your win? That's your W. So why did we do all this NPI that science has told us for 100 years since the Spanish flu doesn't work? Which is why we haven't been social distancing and wearing masks every flu season of our entire lives. Why do we do this? Why were they able to so quickly? Yes, I know the Trump administration put billions of dollars on the table with Operation Warp Speed. Folks, they raised millions and billions of dollars to come up over the course of a decade with a vaccine coming off the first SARS and couldn't do it. Why'd they have, and why did a company like Moderna, which had never successfully brought a a product to market before, in fact, it had attempted to bring nine other messenger, that's what mRNA means, messenger RNA vaccines to market. Eight of them failed before they even got to human trials. The other one failed in the human trials. And so that company, 0 for 9, 0 for 9, so quickly developed what right now appears to be the highest efficacy vaccine in the world for COVID-19, a novel virus. A novel virus. And then America's most successful pharmaceutical company, Merck, with all that time and money incentive from the Trump administration, had to pull out of the competition because they couldn't. Moderna was 0 for 9 all time and could. Merck, the most successful, by the way, the creator of ivermectin, just won the Nobel Prize in 2015. They couldn't do it. Now we're seeing the Delta variant across the world creating waves worse than what we saw last year at this time. That's not the way we see viruses typically mutate. No, we have to get the answer to the origin of this. This is, this is we must discover the key that opened up Pandora's box. Because we have to get answers to those questions. Without answers to those questions, we're not going to ultimately ever be able to put this behind us on any level, any way, shape, or form. We must know the true origin of the virus. We must. I would argue it's the absolute most important thing to know. That'll do it for today's show. We're back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.